Good morning. Thank you, David and Vicki, for organizing that communion service, parents for message, and thank you to Becky and Rod, to Shannon and Allie for indeed for helping us with that music and just join our, our hearts to the Lord. Now, this morning we'll be continuing our study on evangelism, focusing on what we learned from the man formerly known as Saul of Tarsus. The Bible tells us he was a devout religious man who was eager to serve and please God to the point where he sought and persecuted those who were preaching that Jesus was the Son of God, just as he claimed. We first read about him in the New Testament book of Acts. He dedicated his life to serving God and he traveled extensively to tell people about Jesus. In addition to being an apostle, evangelist, preacher, church planter, Paul worked to support himself in his quote-unquote spare time. Paul wrote many of the epistles or letters in the New Testament, including Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and some think Hebrews. So maybe some of you are thinking, ooh, Let's get out of here right now. Steve's lost it again. Paul was an apostle, an evangelist, the preacher, the church planter. And who am I? We're going to compare ourselves to Paul. Really? Bear with me. Let's just open with a word of prayer, shall we? Our Father in heaven, indeed, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather here. We thank you for the reason we're here because you loved us so much that you sent your Son to die for each and every one of us, despite ourselves. And Father, not because we deserve it, but just because of your grace and your mercy towards us. It's so amazing, Father, when we just look around and think that the God who created everything cares for and loves loves us. And Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to look into it this morning and just ask that you help us, Father, just to Open our minds and our hearts to what you would teach us this morning. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So we pick up Paul's story in the book of Acts. A man named Stephen was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And he was making them realize that Jesus was indeed the Messiah they had been waiting for. Many people were coming to faith in Jesus And this didn't sit well with some of the others. So they sent men to go and lie about Stephen. They claimed Stephen said, Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses delivered to us. When he was brought before the high priest, Stephen reminded them of God's promise to Abraham, how God led Moses and had Moses lead the people, and how over time the people just listened to what God had to say. And said they even killed the prophets. They persecuted them. In most cases, sorry, they did not kill all of them, they persecuted them. And he noted, though, that they betrayed and murdered Jesus. Hmm. Probably not the, the way you'd want to bring forth the message when you're being accused of something and they're ready to kill you for it. But it's the truth. The Bible tells us Stephen looked up and saw Jesus the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, who approved of his execution. So that's where we first start hearing about Saul. Now Saul had status and power in the community. People knew who he was. In his own words, Paul said, he was a, he was a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. He had been circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul knew about God. He studied the scriptures. He heard from the teachers. And he thought he was living a life in a manner that was pleasing to God, what God wanted from him. The catch was, he knew about God, but he didn't know God. He was following a form of religion, but God had other plans for him. In Acts 9, we read what happened to to him next. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. Later in Acts 13, we're told that Saul was also known as Paul. I won't give you the extended version of my story, but part of it includes the fact that when I was younger, I did attend church occasionally. When I was around 13, I attended confirmation classes at church, and I even sang in the youth choir for a short period of time. I couldn't sing any better then than I do now. But thankfully, the Lord looks at our hearts and appreciates those whose singing is coming from the heart, um, even when our voices are more likely to break than to make records. Now, if anyone here is too young to know what a vinyl record is, come talk to me after. <laughs> These classes include learning the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, all of which I did. We don't often look at it. Uh, if anyone's interested, the Apostles' Creed is found in the back of your hymn book in number 716. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into Hades. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Hmm. A creed is a statement of belief. And I confirmed my agreement with what was in there when I was confirmed. I hadn't spent years studying about God as Paul did, 
But I knew some of the basic fundamentals of our faith. Now, our faith, or our belief, though, is demonstrated by our actions and through changed lives. Knowing and loving God at that point was not really important to me. There were other drivers in my life, there were other foci that kept my attention. Like Paul, I knew about God, but I didn't know God. It's only a short distance from knowing God here to having God here. Yet for some, it's an incredibly long journey. I'm not saying that this approach is wrong or should be discouraged. I think for some, uh, a confirmation is the start of their Christian life. It's when they become a Christian and when they realize what the basics of Christianity are all about. For me, it was an important milestone in my life, but I don't think it's that time I became a Christian. Paul emphasized the fact that we can only be right with God through faith in Jesus. For example, in Galatians 2, he says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so anyone may boast. Can't do it on our own. Can't get there. Paul told the Colossians that the things people were insisting on were but a shadow of the things to come. The substance belongs to Christ. The rules and regulations, while not bad in themselves, have indeed an appearance of wisdom promoting self-made religion. When I moved to Timmins, a co-worker, uh, some of you may know him, his name is Wally Bidwell, invited me to attend church and I accepted that invitation. One day, the message was about having a relationship with Jesus and soon after, I asked him into my life and changed from being a churchgoer to one who knew about God, sorry, from a churchgoer who knew about God to one who knew the living God going to church. So I ask each of you this question this morning. Do you know the living God? Do you know who God is personally? Or do you just know Him? Have you trusted in Him? If you don't know Him, I would urge you to open your heart and let Him in today. He loves you. He loves me. He loves all of us. He died for you. And he wants nothing but the best for each of us. That's our Jesus. Now, my story seems pretty boring compared to Paul's. And I would hazard a guess that not too many people here have who had their conversion that was quite that dramatic. But you know what? It doesn't mean you don't have a great story to tell others. Your story is unique. It's about your life, how your life changed when you came to know Jesus as your own Savior and Lord. And I'd be so bold as to even suggest that people are going to associate more with your story than they would with Paul's. Yeah, I'm not saying Paul's isn't a, an amazing story. It's a wonderful story. It's a fantastic story. As we go out and talk to people, though, they're gonna, what we have to say about our lives, I think, will resonate 
that much more. Once Paul recovered from his encounter with Jesus, he was baptized and went to the synagogue and started proclaiming Jesus was indeed the Son of God. The man who was just a few days earlier persecuting, even accepting that they can be killed for saying that, turned around and he started proclaiming it. And within a very short period of time, people were looking to kill him for doing that. But he wasn't about to stop. We too will be challenged at times when sharing the gospel. We'll be criticized. We'll even be persecuted for talking about Jesus. Paul's message to the Philippians was that he hoped they would not be frightened in anything by their opponents. Because this was a clear sign that their opponents were doomed for destruction. But the Philippian believers were destined for salvation. You can find that in Philippians 1. Fortunately, we often don't have to put our lives at risk here when we share the gospel in Canada. Another question. Do you remember what it was like when you first committed your life to Jesus? Do you remember the excitement, the need to go out and tell everybody about this great thing that just happened in your life? Do you remember the need to go home and read your Bible, listen to music, to read things all, all things Christian? Did you get yourself in trouble when you ran out and started telling others about Jesus? I suspect many of you noticed some relationship changed when you became a Christian. Perhaps some people pulled away from you, thinking, oh, they've lost it now. Or others pur- thought that you were purposely avoiding them because now you've got other priorities in your life. For those who have been followers for a while, I would ask you, myself, do you still feel that same passion? Do we still feel that same need to run out and tell others about Jesus? Do we get excited when we see new believers running out and telling people about Jesus? Do we think, oh, oh, they're going to make some mistakes here. They're in for it. Uh, calm down. You know what? If the excitement is gone, my first question is why? And my second question is, what are we going to do about it? Jesus isn't interested in lukewarm. In 2 Timothy 1.5, in a few other verses, Paul told Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. He also said, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. He also told Timothy to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. From 2 Timothy 2.15 As we grow in our faith, we should also grow in our knowledge of God's word. We need it to stand firm and to be able to explain it to others. 
And you know, when we're talking to other people, it's all right to say we don't know all the answers. Even when we study and we think we have the answers, we might find out one day that we were slightly wrong, or maybe a lot wrong on those. Better be honest with those we're talking to than to have them find out we really didn't know what we're talking about, especially when we're trying to tell them about the good news. Only God knows it all. Now, Paul was a prayer warrior, and he often reminded the people he is praying for them in his letters and sought and followed the Spirit's leading. For example, told the Romans, without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you, from Romans 9, sorry, from Romans 1, 9 and 10. He told the Ephesians in chapter 1, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened. We sang about that earlier, didn't we? Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. It's been said that we should talk to God about our friends before talking to our friends about God. Who's on our list? Does that list need to be expanded? In Romans 10, Paul says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? And how will they, are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to share Jesus. It's about following the Spirit's leading. The same, might per, the same person might react differently to the exact same message or the same way of delivering the message depending on who it's coming from or what the circumstance is. It's probably safe to say that most people are going to have to hear the message a few times, six, seven, maybe more, before making a commitment to Jesus. And unfortunately, some will never make that commitment. Our job, though, is to share Some are called to share where they live. Others are called to go out and share elsewhere. Whatever it is, we need to be following the Holy Spirit's leading for our lives. In Acts, we read that a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Sorry, speaking of uh, Paul and Timothy. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing up there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And I hope, uh, I didn't ask them, I trust that this is okay. Last week, Bruce and Sharon talked about their recent trip to Cambodia after lunch. And they shared how they knew leaving early the first time they went 
was the right decision and how they knew God wanted them to go back a few months ago. So question to you, is God nudging you to go anywhere? We don't know what opportunities are going to come our way at any given point in time, do we? In 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul said, Preach the word <coughs> to be ready in season and out of season. Paul practiced what he preached. In Acts 16, Paul told the spirit of divination, of divination in a slave girl to leave her. And when it did, her owners realized they lost all the opportunity for money that they would have gained from what she was doing. So they took Paul and Silas, they dragged them to the magistrates, the crowd joined in, they ripped off their clothes and they beat them. And then they got thrown in jail. They could have had a big pity party, but what were they doing? They were praying and singing hymns to God. Then there's a great earthquake. Everything shook, the doors opened, their chains came off. And the jailer was going to kill himself. I don't know. Kind of think it's time to go, isn't it? But what did they do? No. They took the opportunity to say, no, it's okay, we're still here. The jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus. And he told the jailer and his household about the Lord Jesus and they are saved right then and there. Again, they could have run away, but what did they do? They took the opportunity that came up. They shared the gospel. We heard earlier about this man, Tom. I won't try and pronounce his last name either. In Yemen, in jail. Wouldn't it be amazing if something similar happened there? But you know what? Even if it doesn't, the, the message is simple. Because like, it might not happen that dramatically to us either. The message is simple for us. Our job is to be ready and willing to share the message of Jesus whenever. Because we don't know what opportunities are going to, be come, going to come up or when. We just need to be ready with a word. In Colossians 4, 2, Paul says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I make, that I make it clear which is how I ought to speak. What's the first thing, or one of the first things we talk about when we get in conversation? Hey, good to see you. Oh yeah, look at that weather today, isn't it? Good, bad, unusual. Okay, well, we do need to ease into the conversation, right? And where to go from there? Oh, how's the job? Or for some, how's retirement? How's life? How are the kids? How quickly or slowly does the conversation to turn to things of God? How do we raise the gospel in our conversations? If you're like me, you've probably left a conversation or two thinking, you know, I just should have said something. But I was too chicken. When we do raise the gospel message, do we use a real direct thing? Like, you know, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd go? And for some that works, and others it's not the approach that we're really comfortable with. Uh, or if you're like me, it's, well, Maybe you just use a related question, see if the person is receptive to talking about God. 
Hey, glad the weekend's finally here. You got a big weekend planned? What are you up to? Oh, me? Oh, I don't know. Saturday, I'm, well, I can't say I'm going fishing since I don't do that, but for some they say I'm going fishing. Sunday, we go to church on Sunday and just worship the Lord. And sometimes that opens the door. Oh, what are you reading? That sounds interesting. What am I reading? Oh, I'm reading my Bible. Just like anything else, be it a new vehicle, something happening at work, or something recreation, a new purchase, big new purchase maybe, you fill in the blank. The more Jesus is on our minds, the more passionate we'll feel about him, and the more opportunities we're going to find to talk to others about him. Just a few minutes ago, we were sharing communion, the bread and the cup, the juice, that remind us of Jesus' body broken for us, his blood shed for us. We sang about having the eyes of our hearts open. We sang about our Savior's love for us, the love that sent him to the cross to die for our sins. Amazing love. About the fact that we're no longer slaves because we're children of God. And it's easy to think about, easy to talk about, easy to sing about this on Sunday morning, isn't it? This is a time we're here to focus on God. Then we leave this building, and I meant to look to see if it's still above the doorway. As we walk out the door, the sign at least used to say, now you're entering the mission field. Most of us have pretty hectic schedules. And we just seem to bounce from one thing to another to another. And sometimes it feels like it's all you can do just to keep up. So how do we share Jesus, given all the other things that need to be done, amidst all the other challenges and trials that come up in our lives? Well, some words of wisdom or advice from Paul, from Colossians 3. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The context is a little different for this next one, but the message is still relevant. Slaves, employees, volunteers, whatever. Obey everything those who are your obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. In whatever we're doing, we do it in service to the Lord knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Remember, actions speak louder than words. If we want people to listen to us talk about Jesus, we need to live in such a way that they'll be open to hearing the message from us. Paul was able to open the doors to the message, sometimes by performing miracles. Well, maybe we're not quite at that level yet. Maybe we will be someday. But certainly... We can open the doors by helping people out, by listening to them and softening their hearts so that 
they'll hear the good news of Jesus. Has everyone here played the telephone game? You know, the one where Scotty's going to start and say something and it's going to go across the room and at the end, Darka's going to come up with a really different story. (laughs) Well, there's a problem with the quote-unquote phone line, isn't it? Too much noise in the system. Communication takes at least two people. One person speaks and hopes that the other person is not only going to hear the message, but understand it the way it was intended, and then apply it. What better message can we share than, Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. It's not because we deserve it. It's because of God's grace. What better message is there? People can't or won't hear it, though, if the message is lost in the noise. The person needs to be willing to trust you enough to listen to you. And then when we deliver the message, how we deliver it is probably more important than what we say. Our tone and our body language speak louder than our words. In 1 Corinthians chapters 9 and 10 and then in Romans 14, Paul was talking about differences people had towards eating various foods and following certain practices. Some felt it's permissible to eat anything. Others didn't. Some felt you had to follow a certain set of quote-unquote rules. Others didn't. Paul's message to them and to us was not to put up stumbling blocks for each other by flaunting our freedom to eat or to practice certain things. And the same would apply when we're talking to other people. He says, For though I am free of all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. In 1 Corinthians 10, he says, Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everything in every, sorry, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Paul would rather be inconvenienced than to put up an obstacle in somebody's way. Then he tells the Corinthians, and I believe this applies to us as well, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In Colossians 4, he said, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the, of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You can catch more flies with honey than vinegar. There will be times when people just need to hear the message from someone else. Have you, ever, have you had that time or that experience when you said something and you thought it was a great idea and the person just sloughed it off and somebody else comes and says the exact same thing and what an amazing idea it is. Hmm. Now, Paul also worked with others. didn't always work alone. In the examples we've heard to so far, we see him working with Timothy, we see him working with Silas, and we know he worked with others in bringing the gospel message out. So good news, we don't have to go and do this all by ourselves. Yes, uh, there will be times when one-on-one we'll be sharing, but there's other times we can work as teams and share the message. Paul lived his life for God. He did whatever it took to be able to share the good news that people needed the Lord. Day 
and we and everybody else still needs Jesus. He was able to explain the difference between God's plan and the religious practices being followed by the Jewish people, as well as the ways others who tried to twist the simple message of the gospel. In the letters that Paul wrote, a lot of them were into the churches to correct, to keep them on track with the message, because others were already in there trying to twist it and pull others away from the truth face. And the same happens today, doesn't it? Again, as we grow in, in our faith, we need to study so that we can keep on track and be putting out the true message, not being distracted or not and get sidetracked with some of the false teachings out there. Paul suffered a great deal to share the gospel and was even in prison for his beliefs. Regardless, what was most important to him was spreading the good news, encouraging people to follow the true teachings regarding Jesus, to live for and to glorify God. So my closing words to you this morning. Perhaps we aren't quite up to Paul's level yet, but we need to work on getting there one step at a time. As he said, keep running the race. You know what? We're going to trip. We're going to fall. We're going to take a few wrong turns. We'll make a few mistakes as we try and share the good news of Jesus. But let's just keep going, pick ourselves up, and move forward again. As Paul said, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Thanks. Call our musicians back up, please. And ask Dave if he would close in prayer. Thank you very much, Steve, and uh, appreciate your personal testimony in there as well and uh, how uh, challenging it is for us to uh, go out and, and continue to use Paul's example to uh, tell others of him. One thing I neglected to do is to uh, pass the uh, offering bags, but I'm sure those of you who, who have something to donate to will know what to do, and uh, there's a, a box at the back too if you want. You can come to the front and put them in the bags. Paul wrote to the Romans, O oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So we'll stand and sing that uh, song comes from our praise book and we've sung it many times but one of my favorites from the praise book Lord as we stand here this morning amazed at this one who Paul wrote about who Paul spoke about who he talked about to those who would listen we we are amazed too as we in your presence this morning uh, remarkably amazed at what you've done for us and how, in your wisdom, you have planned it all. We thank you that uh, you have given us the uh, ability to worship, to praise, but also the ability to speak and to let others know, and we know that you've called us to do that, and as Paul set the example, so we would follow. We pray that you would help us in that, and we thank you this morning for this time and for the uh, thoughts that we've shared. In Jesus' name, amen.